What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Planning Desk Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Bromeister, joined by my co-host, Mr. Purple, Tony Steak. How you doing, man? Good, Tom. How are you? How much fun is this? Episode three is in the books, but starting episode three, episode two is in the books, and it was an interesting one. We talked about alternative investments. We did, yeah. And, and as we unpack the topic, uh, as, as the listeners who, who checked out episode two know, we, we realized we did need to phone a friend. And I think it's even more impressive that not only did we get through two episodes, but someone who saw those two episodes agreed to join us on the show, which, and not just anybody either. Yeah, I mean, so that was it. So we came in episode two. We talked about alternative investments. We did our research, mm-hmm. and um, it became evident that we needed someone much, much smarter than us uh, around, especially cryptocurrency and mm-hmm. kind of where the market's going. Because if you look at on Twitter, if you just look in the general, you know, industry publications, you'll see a, a great deal of questions and, and some doubt mm-hmm. around cryptocurrency in particular. So we did phone a friend. Um, and he watched the episodes, and um, he said yes. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm super excited for this, not, oh, yeah. not only just for having our first guest, but having it be Tyrone Ross. And it's funny because I want to tell you a story about how I met him. Um, He's Josh, also a junior like me, by the way, which, yeah. you know, we got that. Oh, yeah, he is us. a junior, right. Um, it was funny because Josh Brown and I were going to the Benzinga Awards. Jason Raznick does those Benzinga Awards mm-hmm. every year in New York. And um, Josh is going to, he's always the, uh, the uh, kind of the MC. Mm-hmm. And he wears his hat and he wears his T-shirt, kind of casual. And I'm there. I stepped out of a, an event with you yep. and went with a suit that's on. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I, I played ho- hooky, went over there um, and my suit on. And then, you know, we walked in and Tyrone is there with the suit on. And, and Josh connected us and said, you guys are two good people and you'd like each other a lot. And I think... You know, Josh blows a little smoke, but, you know, he said, hey, you know, you're like him and vice versa. And we kind of we kind of kicked it off. Mm-hmm. And we've done a few things together in terms of charitable stuff on Twitter. And, and we've just had a lot of fun. But what, what you learn about what you learn about Tyrone is uh, he's a special, special yeah. man. And uh, if you call me Mr. Purple, <laughs> you have to call him Mr. Gold because yeah. the man, he has a heart of gold. You know, he talks a great deal about charities and. And, and canceling poverty. Um, he's Fintwit royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a gold track athlete. The guy mm-hmm. is a track athlete. He still runs all the time, and you can kind of catch him on that. But, but Incredible dancer, too. It is outstanding. <laughs> outstanding. We have dancer. footage of him at Wellstack, which we can share on Twitter later. But also, oh, that was him at Wellstack. That was him oh, at Wellstack. That was him. All and, right. you know, he doesn't, he's not a big drinker, so like, he was, that was his dance moves sober. So. Yeah. Uh, but also, what's even more important, whatever he touches to turns to gold. Yeah. And so, you know, seeing, you know, um, him with what he's doing with OnRamp and kind of how he's educating the, the advisor population and the client mm-hmm. population, as well as building technology, I thought, and you agreed, that he would be the perfect guest. Oh, yeah. No-brainer. On the Planning Desk podcast. So um, we're super excited to have him on. Coming up, he's going to be talking about all things first. And the first segment, which we're excited about, is really that concept of no dumb questions. So when we get back, no dumb questions with Tyrone Ross, CEO of OnRamp Invest. All right, so we're back at the planning desk with the much-anticipated appearance of our first guest, Tyrone Ross. Thanks again for being here, man. Really appreciate it. We're going to start off with a segment we're going to call No Dumb Questions, which is going to give the listeners a great way to springboard into the rest of the conversation by giving us kind of a level set of all the key terms and concepts that we need to know. So whether you're an expert in crypto or you're brand new to it, you're going to have what you need to follow us for the rest of the discussion. So here we go. Let's, let's roll here. Tyrone, let's just start off with a basic one. Cryptocurrency. What do we got? Cryptocurrency is internet money. I mean, that was quick. That was easy. That's, I like that. That's all it is. I like that. All right. Blockchain. Blockchain is a chain of blocks. Think of it as a digital budget that contains all of the transactions that happen on the internet. Token. Token is money, cash. Okay. This is easy. Wallet. A digital checking account. Can you give us some examples of some popular cryptocurrencies? The, the ones that matter? Bitcoin, Ether, 
um, popular because it shouldn't be, but it is Dogecoin. Um, there's Cardano, there's Decred, there's Polkadot, there's, we can run them all down. But the ones that people should be concerned about for the purposes of this conversation is Bitcoin, little b, Bitcoin, the token, and Ether, the token, and Ethereum, capital E, the blockchain, and Bitcoin, big B, the blockchain. Gotcha. I gotta write these down. Yeah, what no about kidding. Ledger? Ledger, well, it's funny. I have a really good story here. So here's how you know, folks, if you are, again, gather around the campfire, if you have to be careful where you get your information from, right? I was watching a video on YouTube and a gentleman is talking about Bitcoin and the ledger and they put up a picture of Ledger, the company, and he was talking about Ledger, the transaction history of the blockchain. So there is a company, Ledger, that makes hardware wallets and security where you can store your Bitcoin. A Ledger, for the purposes of this conversation, is exactly that. The history of all of the transactions, what has taken place, right? Just think of it again as a a home base where all of the transactions and all of the history that has ever taken place is recorded. All right, so capitalized letters matter, apparently. So let's let's go into that then. ETFs, when it comes to cryptocurrency, can you talk kind of generally how those track the, the currencies themselves? Uh, before that, I would say they're capital S stupid. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> no dumb questions, um, though. Yeah, so again, as it stands right now in the United Great States of America, we don't we do not have a Bitcoin ETF, but uh, uh, as we sit here, Fidelity has put in for one. There's a bunch of other folks, so we'll get one at some point. But the goal is to make it one, make it easy for folks to access it. No public key, private key, all that other stuff. Make it very easy. One, right? Daily liquidity trades every day, all day. You can buy it and sell it like a stock. Um, and why it's stupid, if for those wondering at home, it's like putting training wheels on a Ferrari. No, I, no idea why you would do it, but we're going to take 21st century technology, put it in 20, you know, 20th century architecture, put them together, stop something that trades 24-7, 365 with tremendous liquidity, so it stops trading every day when the market is closed and make it really hard to get access to. No idea why it gets folks excited, but I remembered that Wall Street loves money, so we will get one. What about custody as it relates to cryptocurrency? Um, custody, I will say this, custody as it relates to this conversation and the financial advisors that are listening is very important. Couple of things here, three things to advisors need to pay attention to. One, the qualified custodian issue is now over. There is a qualified crypto custodian that can also act as a fiduciary for the purposes of safekeeping, record keeping, which is Anchorage. Prior to that, the SEC said, November of last year, as far as qualified custodians go, financial advisors, right? You know what we deem to be a qualified custodian. We know what you deem to be a qualified custodian, those that are state chartered, Coinbase, Gemini, da dun da dun We could keep going. So the SEC said, look, you determine what you, you know, you want to be qualified custody, but when we come in and do these audits, we're going to ask you, what is the methodology behind that? So now, fast forward to December. They come out special purpose broker dealers, right? They give a whole update on that in terms of how to custody, knowing distributed ledger technology and the different coins and all these other things. Again, custody came up because if you are a broker dealer and you're going to custody, again, that qualified custodian thing again, you better know who Anchorage is. For the purpose of this conversation, and again, for advisors and just folks listening in general, custody can take on a couple of forms. Self-custody, meaning that I am going to take full custody. Again, Bitcoin is a bearer asset off of the blockchain, and I'm going to hold it, right? And I shouldn't say off of the blockchain, but you're taking it from being online, hot, right, to cold, right? Self-storage, offline. Because once it's online, you have the issues of it's at a Coinbase or a Gemini that it could be hacked, right, and, and taken. So again, the blockchain is a good point here. Blockchain hasn't been hacked. Whenever you hear about those hacks, it's the actual places where people go to buy. So you have self-custody. Then you have custodians, right, folks that, you know, Gemini and, and Coinbase act as custodians along with everything else. They're brokers, they're banks, they're everything. They try to be everything. Right. Um, and similar to the world that everyone knows is using a custodian like a Fidelity or Schwab or Pershing. 
right? These custodians in the crypto space are continuing to be built out, but there's some really big names that are in now Fidelity Digital Assets, Northern Trust, Anchorage, and so on and so forth. So custody takes on many forms um, in the crypto space, but the two that I think folks should be concerned with here is again, taking custody, self-custody, and the ability to do that, and then using a custodian to do that as well. That was super helpful. And I think in the next segment, what we'll talk about a bit more is around the custody as it relates to the advisor and how they provide that advice to their clients and prospects. But before we do, the, the no dumb questions, I love this segment because it allows anyone to kind of level set. And you said two words. I think just try and summarize as, as easy as possible, Coinbase and Gemini. And I think I know what those are, but just for the audience, what is Coinbase and what is Gemini? So Coinbase and Gemini are exchanges, they're custodians, they're brokers. They're, this is a place where you can go and you can buy your crypto and you'll store your crypto, right? Now, Coinbase and Gemini, again, they're, let's go back to 2017. While you saw that run up and, and you saw a lot of retail coming in because Coinbase made it very easy to download the app, go on, link an account and buy. Some folks with credit cards, with all types of stuff, they allowed you to go on and buy. So it's just an exchange where you can go and buy uh, crypto and then they give you a wallet and then you hold your crypto there and then they, you know, they manage it or whatever and then you just have it on your phone. And then how do they make money? Uh, the fees are beautiful. They're back to 1980. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're in the 1980s in the crypto space. So they, they charge you per transaction. Um, and I'm not, I know the average fee is, is well over 1%, uh, well, well over 1%. Um, and again, they bang you in and out, right? Like good old shout to my old school brokers out there, right? They get you in and out. Um, and you know, they offer all these other ancillary services as well that they, that they charge on, but that's mostly okay. the transaction did fee. They, just one more question before Tom, forgive me. Um, and then did, do they make money on the ledger as well? So do they also make a fraction of Bitcoin? by adding to the ledger or is that, is that someone else? No, it, no, it's not, it's, it's, it's complicated. So no, so okay. they don't make money from that. What they do is again, it's, it's all of the different type of businesses that Coinbase is in, okay. how they make their money and any actual transactions to, actual, to actually store it for them is costly, right? So it probably cost them money, not really making money from that, but using the blockchains now, right? Whether it's Ethereum or the Bitcoin blockchain, you can do all of these other layer two solutions as they call them and other things within the blockchain to allow you to make money, uh, which for the sake of the conversation, whether it's stable coins and things being programmable, decentralized finance and things like that can get really nerdy. But um, for the sake of using the actual blockchain to make money, they do that. But as far as for the security, no. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. Well, let's do a couple quick personal ones. Get to know you real quick. Last book you read. Last book I read, um, how to give a TED talk. Cause I got a TED talk that I'm giving tomorrow. We'll that. see if it works. Right? What about this one? Uh, how does food take? How does food take? All seafood is terrible. <laughs> and he lives in San Diego. Oh, <laughs> favorite dessert. Oh. Cupcakes. Ooh. Cupcakes. Red velvet cupcakes. Where's your hometown? Tom. Uh, Edison, New Jersey, born and raised. Now you're in San Diego, California. San Diego, La Jolla. Man, man. Dream vacation spot. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, dream vacation spot. That is such a good one. I don't know. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, somewhere in South America. South <laughs> America. All right, last one. What was your high school nickname? High school nickname. Oh, well, now that's college. They call me T Row in college, but in high, in high school, I don't know. I, I think it was just tie. Tie. Just tie. Right. Yeah, just tie. That was easy. All right, mine yeah. was mine was actually speed stick from uh, okay. how fast apparently used to run playing soccer. But uh, all right, I was, I was neither fast nor good at soccer. But all right, that was fun. That was a great segment. No dumb questions. When we come back from the break, we're going to kind of get into industry sentiment and how, mm -hmm. you know, the, the different views from advisors, but also investors on, on this emergence of crypto and kind of what we can expect to see from it, from a just kind of that short-term but long-term perspective. And then after that, 
we'll dig a little bit more into technology and how advisors can help their clients with cryptocurrencies, with alternative investments. So when we come back, uh, more from Tyrone Ross on alternative investments. So welcome back. That was a fun segment. Hopefully everyone's kind of level set on the concept of no dumb questions, really understanding all the keywords of crypto, Bitcoin, everything alternative investments. And so now in this next segment, really our goal is to kind of, you know, talk to Tyrone about how the industry has both understood but also embraced crypto. Because you know, I'm on Twitter, Tyrone's on Twitter, Tom's on Twitter, and we're all seeing a bit of the same thing. Those advisors that embrace it, crypto, and those that are saying, no, no, no. And so let's get to the root of that. So I want to start with a question for you, Tyrone, around the advisor. And, and so what is, I mean, like, if you could just summarize it, what do you think that big concern is around the advisor and the idea of investing in a cryptocurrency? So shout to my Bitwise family, Matt Hogan and the gang over there. They did a study of advisors and, you know, we, we've done our own as well. The main one is regulatory clarity. Um, right now, the SEC says that Bitcoin is not a security. The CFTC says that Bitcoin is a commodity. The IRS says that Bitcoin is property. It would be nice if the SEC, CFTC got together and told the RIA space, hey, not a security, but will be regulated as one, right? And I think that will force a lot of the larger RAs to move. Regulatory clarity, volatility, right? Volatility is less, and advisors don't even know what volatility to really be concerned about for a lot of different reasons, right? It's more, should be more about the, it's volatility of price, but should be volatility of price discovery. I have a webinar coming out with FTSE Russell and Digital Asset Research where we talk about the volatility of Bitcoin versus other assets and the volatility of the price at any point. And again, I'm rarely stunned with stats in the crypto space. I've heard it all, seen it all. At any point you check the price of Bitcoin across exchanges, it could be off sometimes as much as 2%. That is astounding, right? That volatility in the actual price discovery. Now, with that said, the volatility of the actual price in the asset advisors being able to show a client, well, Mr. and Mrs. Client, you see these 80% drawdowns here, right? Like, are you okay with that? And then pairing that with the risk tolerance, I tell all financial advisors, the minute your client opens their mouth about crypto, go back to day one, reprofile that client. Mr. and Mrs. Client, you said you were a two on risk tolerance when you first came in. Now you're asking me about Dogecoin. That's a 14. What changed? <laughs> Right. Like and you talk about that and you pull out that investor policy statement and you pull out that financial plan and be able to do that. That's two. The third one is market manipulation. Right. Or speculation, speculative asset. Let's pair those two things together. Being a speculative asset. Yes, it is. Right. And the market being manipulated to some capacity. Yes, it is. Now, as we get better prime brokers, as we get transfer agents, as, as, as we get better you know, liquidity in the markets, hello, those who want to ETF, all of those different things, now it will be easier for a financial advisor to step into these markets. And again, we need to, and here's what we need to understand when we say financial advisor. If I'm a financial advisor at a wirehouse versus an, a registered investment advisor, two totally different conversations. And by the way, the most astounding thing in this space that happened in a very long time is that at this moment, advisors at Morgan Stanley could buy Bitcoin for their clients before some of the largest RIAs in America. Astounding news. Do not diminish that. But go back to the conversation. So now I am a registered investment advisor, which most of the folks listening to this are. Am I a financial planner? Am I an investment manager? Do I want third part? Do I like using, you know, portfolio management tools and using other managers and things like that? So when we say advisor, we need to broaden the scope there of the concerns that an advisor would have. If I'm an advisor that runs a, a $2 billion, $3 billion firm, you think I'm taking the risk for a 1% allocation? That makes no sense. They're not going to do it. My mentor has a multi-trillion dollar firm up, up, up in Boston. He won't even talk about crypto. He's like, why would I go through all that hassle for a 1% allocation? And by the way, that's nonsense too, because how is it you have conviction about something that you're only going to put 1% in it? Sure. Most financial advisors right now shouldn't be doing anything in crypto. They should be learning. They should be preparing their practice, updating your ADV, your ENO, making sure that you have crypto assets 
copies of crypto assets yeah. right on hand to give clients. You should be making sure that all of the things that the SEC just said in their risk alert a couple of weeks ago, right? Hello, Hester Pierce, come by the campfire, folks, right? Again, policies and procedures, books and records, custody, there it is again, valuation methodology, which is the last point of this. Financial advisors, right, as a whole, how do I value this, right? No intrinsic value, you hear that, right? Capital asset pricing model and all these PE ratio and discounted cash flows doesn't fit here. So you have to bring in new, you can't bring those old tools to discover new assets, right? So valuation methodologies, there are plenty of methods to value Bitcoin, advisors just don't know. I'm saying all this to say 99.9% .9 of advisors are blind. I said this in my live the other day, not only are they blind, they needed to slow down. They don't have the research. They don't have the planning tools. They don't have the education. They don't have the certifications and continuing ed to make them feel comfortable sitting in front of clients. I will put the bow tie on this with this. When I first took the job as the CEO of OnRamp and I was blessed at that time to only have an email relationship with Cheryl Penny. Cheryl Penny emailed me, he said, fantastic. Don't really care about your little crypto trinkets over there. But I can tell you this, if you want to be successful, make advisors smart, educate them, right? And that's what I did. And we, in our wait list now, right? We've sent out a bunch of stuff to advisors, a Bitcoin compliance guide, all, all of our research. What is, you know, the, the primers and the basics on crypto, on NFTs, on this digital gold narrative, right? All of these things. So advisors go, oh, okay, for advisors, by advisors. So I think when you look at, just to rehash that, the, regular, the regulation, the volatility, the market manipulation, along with the speculation, and then just education, period, for the space overall, right? And then you have the actual advisor base. I, I, I hear from CIOs all the time. They call me all the time, Tyrone, we can't even talk to our clients about it because I have an army of CFPs who know nothing. <laughs> so if the clients call, we don't even have the, the resources to say anything to them. So we're way, way, way behind um, as a space. So I think advisors now need to get it to slow down, read, educate yourself, tell the clients, whether, again, whether you're yay or nay, I don't care. Sure. But be a fiduciary and be able to speak to it and tell the clients, no, we're not doing anything, but we're reading, we're learning, we're looking into it. Or if you are going to do it, you follow all of the guidelines that the SEC just put out in that risk alert so that if you're doing it, you're doing it in a way where, as Josh Brown would say, you don't get sued into the Stone Age. <laughs> it's funny, in the last episode, Tom and I talked about alternative investments and what we've, we kind of drilled into the same exact answer, which was like, if there's lack of clarity at the advisor level, they tend to dismiss it. They tend to find a reason not to understand or embrace it. And yep. with crypto, you know, you have this faction in crypto um, where they're kind of like, you know, the, the laser eyes or the, the FinTwit area. And I don't know if they do as, I don't know if they do that industry justice, but there's so many meaningful parts to crypto and how it relates to someone's investment portfolio. And yeah, it's, we talk about gold having a value, crypto not. And obviously you, could, you and I could argue that, that there is a value there. But that concept of storage of value, and it's funny when we talk. You mentioned, uh, you know, that one percent of portfolio. There's firms out there that are saying up to five percent comfortably, and we have. And you mentioned Morgan Stanley being. In, and I'm actually Morgan Stanley. Love them. Good customer of ours at Navaplan. Um, you know, I hope they, you know, even con continue to go downward in terms of who has access to crypto within their network. I understand their concept, right? They say. Five million or more, you can handle a bit of volatility. So I appreciate that. Um, but hopefully that's kind of democratized even further. Before I pass over to Tom, I, I just had one more question on, 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 on crypto. When you think about the concept of portfolio management and asset allocation, right? You mentioned a great, to a great point, risk tolerance. When you think about risk tolerance and potentially the volatility of crypto, how should that relate to someone's portfolio and how would you model that appropriately? Perhaps, you know, would you remind them about their score? Like how would, like how would that unfold for an advisor if they're across the kitchen table or the conference room table from their clients? Yeah, I, I mean, shout to, you know, shout to my risk allies family, right? We all know they're the major players here, but, you, you know, just in general, I, 
I mean, you, you have to reprofile your clients for this reason. And this is why I tell advisors, take everything else off. I don't care what you did with the client before. It's all out. The minute they mention crypto, now you go into, okay, you're bringing this up to me. Why? Right? Yes. You bring up their risk score. Right. And then you say, okay, well, here is an asset class that is new. It is extremely volatile, right? There is, you know, significant swings in price and right. Why is this something that you would be taking a look at? Age matters, right? Demographics matter in terms of income, right? How much liquidity? All right, where are we going to take this from? Are we taking this from your bond sleeve? Is it coming from your equity sleeve, right? Looking at the history of the holdings of that client. And then also, again, being able to model and show the client, okay, well, here's how the sharp ratio, here's how the risk-adjusted returns and everything is going to change your portfolio. Advisors, they, they can't do that right now. It's very hard to do. So I think what advisors need to do is this. Say, Mr. and Mrs. Client, look, Bitcoin is a skyscraper. We're going to walk into the skyscraper. They're all beautiful 14, $15 million layout spreads. You can choose anyone. You can live on the first floor or you can live on the hundredth floor with the balcony and the views and you can oversee the skyline and the whole ocean. Where do you want to live? And ask them. And then they'll go, what? what? I, did, I did this with all of my, and they're like, huh? So where would, where would you want, like where was the, where was the first place you, you can tour it, you can, right? And nine times out of 10, they go, oh, I want to be close to the doors and don't want the furniture to go all the way up that high. And I, why are you talking to me about Bitcoin? <laughs> Bitcoin is on top, like living on a little bunk. You know what I mean? Like, and they go, oh, okay, that's risk, right? And just getting them to understand that and where your, your tolerance is with that. So I think when you frame it in different ways, and, and, and this is a really good point, framing. Do I think Bitcoin is digital gold? No, but it's great framing for financial advisors. You know why? Because you can't go to your client portfolio and say, hey, this internet money, we're going to rotate out of this internet money and go into this internet money. And the client like, what? But if you say digital gold, oh, okay, right? I've got gold in my portfolio. So we're going to rotate that into Bitcoin, kind of that same narrative. Also, you know, from the standpoint of if it makes sense to an advisor, now the advisor can go to a client and says, oh, okay, this makes sense. So you're going to come to Bitcoin where it makes some sense for you. I get the digital gold narrative. I don't think it is, but I get why people say that because if you manage money and you've been trained your whole life to create comparisons, because when humans don't understand things, the first thing we say is, what is it like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? Sure. What is it, right? So you try and create this relatable thing. And that's what folks are doing with Bitcoin, because as an advisor, you're going to look at it differently than a data scientist, as with a Ruby developer, as with, right? We are going to come at it with, with a different lens. And if advisors go, gold, digital gold, all right, whatever, whatever has it right. makes sense to you and then thus makes sense to your clients. So real quick, I want to make sure our listeners can cash in on your book recommendation because that was a really quick flash. So can you, can you show us that one more time? All I saw was that it was green. Okay, there we go. Crypto Assets by Chris Berninsky and Jack Tater. I've been pushing this book for, I don't know, again, I have no affiliation. I've never met Chris Berninsky or Jack Tater, but that book, and again, I know what I'm about to say is heresy for all of you folks out there, but I've been saying it and I stand behind. This book will end up being the intelligent investor of the crypto space. I know, oh God, they logged off, they're pissed. But it is, because if you read the book, it's going to take you from what a blockchain is, how everything started all the way up until Bitcoin, and then what you'll start to learn is, wait a minute, all of these things are just a derivative of the Bitcoin block. Oh, look at that. And it, it walks you through. Now, the book is somewhat dated, they'll, they'll need to update it, but you'll get a good framework for you, for your clients, and then for everyone to learn. It's an incredible book. Um, and Chris Berniski is a great follow on, on Twitter as well, but really, really instrumental that every financial advisor should put that right next to the intelligent investor just to make yourself feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and get familiar with so it. You're a crypto guy, but then you read physical hardcover books. I don't really know how that, how that <laughs> works, but I'm gonna get it on my Kindle. Uh, 
So <laughs> I wanted to ask you, so I think al although the, rel the population of advisors that has client assets invested in crypto remains relatively small, uh, from 2019 to 2020, there was a significant jump, 25% jump of the number of advisors who have uh, client assets invested in crypto. So any predictions for, uh, for 2021 and, and, and what we expect to see? Should we expect more growth? Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? It's funny. One of my predictions already came true <laughs> in March that I predicted at the end of the year. I would say there would be a large broker dealer, Morgan Stanley, you know, Merrill type situation. They did it in March. So that's it. The other thing that I said was that there is going to be a large registered investment advisor that is going to come out and say, we have X amount of our book of business in Bitcoin. That's going to happen. Right? I'm fully convinced of that. Because, and I was saying that before now, you know, registered investment advisors had the pitch, well, why, why are you with that guy at Morgan or Merrill? Come over here. We can get you whatever you want. They don't have that anymore, right? So now the RIAs are going, oh, wait a minute. We got to figure this out. There will be a meaningful announcement at some point this year where the, the, the large RIAs that matter, someone's going to make an announcement and it's going to be this tectonic shift where everyone goes, okay, it's prime time. Right, because RIA's got to move a lot slower than the wirehouses in terms of making sure a lot of things are buttoned up. But I do think we're going to see a meaningful allocation from one of the larger RAs. Again, we don't need to throw our names here. If you're in the space, you know who they are. I think that'll that's going to happen before you're in. So let's talk about another another set of capital letters, IRS. So uh, Form 1040 this year for 2020 taxes. We're getting close to well, I guess uh, not not really anymore. Getting close to to, uh, to tax tax day, but uh, right below your name now, front and center at the top of the form. Did you at any time during 2020 receive, sell, send, exchange, or otherwise acquire any financial interest in virtual currency? Answered under penalty of perjury, of course, since this is a, a tax filing. So what, when it comes to that, I think it's it, people need to know more, more so that look, when I take cash out of my actual wallet and pay for something, I haven't recognized anything. But And I think people don't necessarily always connect the fact that when you're taking something out of your digital wallet and buying something, you actually are recognizing capital gain. So um, I guess how advisors can communicate that to clients, I'd be also interested in. But the IRS has also kind of vowed very vaguely to ramp up enforcement uh, when it comes to cryptocurrency. So what are your thoughts on that? Anything that investors need to be aware of and advisors as they're talking to investors, whether they uh, whether they're, they're recommending crypto investments or not, are actually making them because uh, as, as you mentioned, I mean, 80% of clients are asking advisors about it. So, um, so there's a lot Absolutely. of interest out there. Yeah, so as far as that goes, everyone, if, if you were on the bus and somebody coughed and said cryptocurrency, check that damn box, okay? <laughs> I don't care what happens, check that box. If you've been anywhere in crypto, you own a crypto t-shirt, check the box. The other thing is, you know, when you look at what they, the language, right? And, and they need, we need to get better with virtual currencies and cryptocurrencies versus Bitcoin, which like they, so, they're saying that to cover it all, airdrops, any of that, check the box, first thing. Second thing is very important for financial advisors to know, there's no wash sale rule with Bitcoin, right? Um, and I think this is something a lot of folks, they go, really? There's no wash sale rule, right? Another reason, let's go back to capital S, stupid ETF, but whatever. Um, no wash sale rule. That's, a, that's another thing that's important. The other thing, that's important here, right? So for the purposes of taxes, right? You can take some of your crypto losses, right? The same way you would with stock losses and write off, write those off against stocks, right? So there is so much here that advisors need to learn with that. Another thing that's really important as far as, again, I'm not an accountant, it's not tax advice, but if, as far as advisors working with clients, again, I've been in situations where you have a client that's 27 years old, they put whatever, their, their life savings into Bitcoin. And I had clients call again, he was a, I'll never forget this kid, wherever he is, God bless him. He was traveling the world, playing professional poker. He had a $27 million crypto portfolio. This was a couple of years ago. And he was like, well, what should I do with it, right? I don't want these gains or whatever. And there's all these lending options, right? And, and ability not to take the capital gains and borrow against it, right? Um, so there are a lot of tax strategies that advisors can employ for clients in regards to crypto um, and worth knowing. So, 
For the most part, though, I think advisors should tell clients, listen, if you have any crypto at all, let them know you own it. Don't try and dodge the taxes. If you trade or do all of those things, it is hell. So there are a lot of tax software out there for folks who own crypto. If you're doing DeFi or all of these other things, um, airdrops, um, the taxability of that, trading one crypto for another, again, that's they want to know that, right? Cost basis, all of those things, all of those different situations with clients. And again, the complexity with which they own crypto is very important. Again, let's go right back to square one. Reprofile that client. If that client is just completely clueless on crypto, you're probably not going to have all of these issues. Or you can have a situation where a client, uh, I mean, an advisor calls me and says, hey, just found out my client has a couple million dollars of Bitcoin at Coinbase. <laughs> They've been getting paid in it, right? Had no idea. So, and now they're calling me saying, oh, what should I do? And then I'm on the phone with, an, with the attorney and the CPA. I'm the only one on the call not getting paid for my time. And they're trying to work my client through this issue. So a lot of different issues we can go into with that. But the main one is if you have clients that own it, they, again, anything with crypto, let them know they own it again. No wash sale rule. Also, the ability to, um, and I believe, and again, don't quote me on this, but I was talking to uh, a few folks on Twitter about this, about now you have the ability to specify what of your, you know, if you bought crypto at different prices, which you're actually going to sell, last in, first out, all of that. So you can you can specify that now, which is which is awesome. So there's a lot of nuance there that advisors should be aware of. But again, they're so far away from it, they can't even get that close to it yet. Sure. Last one here, we got to keep this one quick or, or got through our producer's going to turn my mic off. But I want to ask about the F word because a, a lot of advisors are kind of hiding behind this this concept of a fiduciary and, and using it as almost uh, like an automatic like binary type thing like well you know i see i'm a fiduciary so i can't really invest client assets in crypto so why don't you debunk that one for me well actually if they phrase it that way they are absolutely 100 positively correct <laughs> if you talk about if you talk about fiduciary there's two forms and again i have a i have an episode coming out on this on my podcast tuesday fiduciary in terms of investment management advisors can say and do whatever they like that not this, this, giving advice, best interests of the client first. You're 100% a fiduciary. Advisors, you are. For or against, have an opinion, talk about crypto. You can, you are a fiduciary in that capacity. Now, fiduciary in terms of safekeeping, storing, holding away, record keeping. There are fiduciaries for that, a bank, true qualified custodians that will handle all that. So as far as that part of fiduciary, and again, if you talk to anyone who's in trust in the States, they'll tell you, why do you guys throw around fiduciary like that? Like it's this holy grail when you only cover one of the things that matter, <laughs> which is the investment management. Everything else you don't even do. You outsource your ignorance there. So for every advisor listening, you can't hide behind the fiduciary standard that we have to give best in class advice of all things for your client. Putting the interests of the client first is you having an opinion, yay or nay, right? That part of a fiduciary, you absolutely are. But for the part of, again, safekeeping, storing, all that other stuff, record keeping for those assets, no, of course not. You offload that and you don't have that excuse either because there are qualified custodians. So advisors have every opportunity to speak to, to advise on, and to allocate on behalf of clients if they so choose. I can go all day. And just for our listeners, that was that's going to be the Tuesday, March 30th episode of Tyrone's podcast, just because I don't know when yeah. we're going to release this. All purpose I can go all day. But we're going, to, we're going to come back here on the other side and, and dive into technology, another one that I'm super excited about. So, so stick around. We'll be right back. Wow, that was fun. So much to unpack there. Tyrone does just an amazing job at kind of explaining what can be very confusing to some. And... It really kind of encapsulated what the industry, how the industry is reacting to cryptocurrency and how it relates to investment, not only the client, but the advisor. And so, you know, in this next kind of segment, what we want to do is kind of unpack the technology side and how, you know, and the education side, how the advisor is going to, you know, work with their clients technologically or from an, a research perspective on cryptocurrencies as it relates to 
um, their investments. So Tyrone, what do you what do you see? Like you know, think three months out, six months out, maybe the next year. What do you see technologically of how crypto is going to impact the advisor desktop? I think for one, um, and again, can can speak for what we're working on is giving advisors all of the data inside of their existing workflow to interact with digital assets the same would the same way they would with anything, um, uh, Apple. Buzz, whatever it is, just make it very simple, logging into their workflow and just being able to run their practice first. So practice management tools, financial planning tools, RIAs need to plan. Why, Tyrone? They need to plan because their relationships need to be sticky. Wirehouse advisors, the client has seven accounts, a credit card, the mortgage is there. RIAs don't have that. So they need to plan. So when it so when RIAs are comfortable planning and have portfolio management software, those two things talk, and then talk with the real-time data from the crypto markets. Now we're cooking with grease, fish grease, as my mother would say, right? So that's one like part. Seafood, though. I, you don't know, though. No, my, my family does. <laughs> um, fried whiting is it in the Black House, I'd say that. Um, so the second thing is education. Ask an advisor right now if there's any research report that they trust or any research outlet that they trust right now. That needs to be built. The, the architecture and infrastructure needs to be there. All right, great, now it's there. Does that pipe in again to my existing workflow so I can point click, pull up a research report and be able to see what's going on, print that off or you know, DocuSend or whatever, send that to a client and have the client be able to look at it the same way they would with it. Again, capital S stupid ETF that they're gonna, you're gonna get approved and they're gonna slide that little fact sheet across. Oh, I've been studying. Bitcoin for the last couple of months. No, you're not. Fidelity just took that off of you. Sure. So advisors need those same tools in their, in their workflow. Last thing, direct access within their workflow so they can, right? Model, show the client, see how does this look, Mr. Mr. Client? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she goes, okay, great. I'm going to do, I'm going to submit that trade for you. We're going to do it in this account, blah, 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 blah. And then that's done direct to a custodian. That, that trade is submitted, done. That data comes back to the workflow and the client compliance officer, happy, right? Direct access, cheaper. Um, direct access, the ability to borrow, lend against, collateralize, whatever you want to do, um, and give advisor full control to have access over that relationship with the client as it regards, in regards rather to their as their relationship with digital assets. So all of those tools are being built, they're coming. Um, there's some really cool folks that we are partnering with. I wish I could say some of the things that we have coming, but I'm gonna save that for my, my State of the Union uh, coming up next week in our launch. So we have some really cool things that we're teasing um, and, and working on. But I will say this, if you are an advisor right now listening to this, I would stand on your desk and be excited about what is being built for you and what's coming um, because it's some really kick egg. Can't curse, my mother will kill me. Some kick egg <laughs> stuff coming. Um, and you know, it will finally give advisors the comfort again. What did I say earlier? Blind and slow down. It's going to give them visibility. And that's one of the things I can say we're working on is read-only view. We're gonna give advisors a view of all the crypto held away from you that your client owns, huh. right? So they go, ooh, maybe I should bill on that, right? Sure. But Ta-da! Magic trick. We're going to pull it back into your workflow so you can see it. Model, plan, build, do all of those things. So stand on your desk and get excited, advisors. It's coming. It's game awesome. time. So one part of the narrative that's been so prominent over the last several years when it comes to advisors and how they're communicating with investors, it's, it's investors, you know, they might like looking at pie charts. They, they might like hearing about rates of return, but it's always come back now to how am I doing against my goals? And, and People have different types of goals, different time horizons, all kinds of different things. So talk a little bit about how crypto plays a role in financial goal planning. For example, you have more, more risk-related goals, like an emergency fund that has a shorter, you know, usually, hopefully not a too short of a time horizon, but you tend to think of that as, as needing to be pretty liquid as opposed to maybe more interim goals, like maybe your, your teenager's got to go to college someday versus a long-term goal like retirement that's very far away from, from your, for, for the hosts here of this show. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But talk about that a little bit for us. So, again, the conversation for advisors right now in regards to crypto or Bitcoin, whatever it is, it's just, again, in relation to what it is that that client is trying to accomplish, everything goes back to the plan. 
So it may not even make sense. So it's not an investment for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Like it shouldn't really be in the conversation for most people. If it is, and it seems to be a younger cohort that are looking at this as something that they want, right, for their children. If I, the oldest millennials are 40 now, think mm -hmm. about that. So they have children, they say, I want to I want to buy some of this and I want to put this in the cold storage and that's going to be for whatever my daughter's wedding my kids this that whatever. The other situation is this there are some having a conversation <laughs> this morning family office they manage money gadrillions gazillions of dollars for some of the wealthiest people in the country. Those folks want to buy in a trust because they're like this thing is going to a million dollars I don't want it in my name I want it in a trust. That's a, of course, fire alarm goes, I'm on fire. Can you tell? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so the conversations are different. The, the, the amount of money that the client has, their age, what their goals are, but it all goes back to a plan um, of what it is that that client is trying to accomplish. So, and a lot of times, again, maybe it's just being conversant um, of what that client is looking to do. Here's the other piece we haven't hit on. It's a whole nother podcast. Where are rates right now? What are advisors getting on yield for their yeah. clients? Cash management is a trillion dollar opportunity sure. in and of itself. Yeah. So advisors, if they don't want to do anything with Bitcoin and Ether, whatever, what they absolutely should do is say, all right, how do we get some meaningful yield for clients? That could be more of a financial planning uh, conversation. I am fortunate. Look, you said <laughs> it. Um, this, is, this podcast has been fantastic. You're on fire. You set off fire alarms. Um, we got so much from you, but I want to kind of summarize. I had one more question, and then I want to kind of address that State of the Union that because we're dropping this podcast on the 31st of, of March. So just in, you know, we film about a week in advance. Well, now we are. Like, it sounds like now we have to. It's official. <laughs> we have to drop on the 31st. But it sounds like the State of the Union is on the 1st. But before I have you address the State of the Union, I have a question I want to ask you. Can we talk about you know, the technology allowing the advisor to not only model, but acquire cryptocurrencies for their clients. So why is that better than just telling the client to go buy it themselves on, say, PayPal or another, you know, Coinbase, somewhere else where they can acquire that crypto, and then just tell you what the value is at that moment in time, so then you can model that. So what is, what, what is the benefit for the advisor to own that process to do that with a technology such as OnRamp? Well, it's funny, as, as you mentioned that, right, the benefit is the advisor goes, Whew, right, I don't have to do it, just tell the client, go do it, right, you do it on your own, you can, it has nothing to do with me, and then what we're allowing the advisor to do, if they do do that, that we can pull it into their system and let them see it, and if the client transacts or anything, they'll be able to see it, yep. but what you'll realize is for me, for myself, my clients held everything away from me. I didn't custody. I couldn't see it. None of it. What do financial advisors, there's three things advisors want, right? Some they do, some they but there's big three. They want to get paid, right? Advisors want to get paid. Yeah. Now you can have an AUA model. Hightower has what, 75 billion of an AUA? Yep. It's nuts. They want to get paid. They don't want to get sued. They don't want to get fired. U4 is not brought up enough, right? That's your driver's license all through our industry. You don't want no marks on that bad boy because sure. you can't speed, right? Yeah. Like, so you, we, we have to understand that. So advisors say, well, look, I don't want to get any trouble. Go do it over there. But, and here's the power of what OnRamp is doing. It's like, okay, well, yeah, tell your clients to go buy the PayPal or whatever. And then how about we turn that on for you so you can see it? And then when you model for the plan, you pull their plan in, you're like... When did you buy this? Like, why do you own this? <laughs> right? Like, please tell me why you own Cuckoo Coin. What is this? Right? <laughs> and if, if there's no incredible investment thesis, right? You're just like, all right, can you please do something with this? So just, again, not see the view. So what we're going to do is, all right, we'll give advisors the view of Bitcoin only. And then if we'll let them know your client holds all these other assets, do you want to see it? Right? Ping us for it and we'll show you. And then they'll pass out and then they'll be like, turn it off. So... <laughs> We're going to have some really cool capabilities there. That's but. awesome. I mean, that's that that kind of, it's the best of both worlds almost because you can you can empower the advisor or just but by both doing, but also by both also allowing them to see it. So that's really cool. So we I mentioned it before. You mentioned it once. What is the on-ramp State of the Union? And when is it dropping? 
what time, what's the date, what are you going to talk about? State of the Union is April 1st. Um, prior to April 1st, we are going to stop Twitter, I promise you, as we have announcements coming prior to my State of the Union, which right. is 12, 12 uh, p.m. Pacific, but we are putting out an, <laughs> we are putting out announcements that morning that is going to stop time. Um, and then I'm going to talk about that news. I'm going to give an update on, you know, our MVP. I'm going to give, it, it will be the most detailed, vague conversation anybody can have. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, but I promise that the announcement that we're going to put out that morning will stop Twitter. It will absolutely stop Twitter. And I cannot wait. So I'll spend a lot of time on that. And then I'm going to end with a q and I'll take some questions and, again, answer them very detailed and vaguely um, and, and give some details on when it looks like our launch is going to be. Um, shout to my Coindesk family. That's a hint for some folks out there. Um, so we got, some, we got some big, big things up our sleeve. I just can't wait. This is the worst part of being a leader. It's like you got all these things in your building and you, you're the mouth. You want to get it out, but you just, you know, oh, yeah. you just got to sit on it. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, and again, before, I, before we go, definitely none of this is possible without people who see a vision and, and grateful for you and others, right, for putting literally your money where your mouth is, but more importantly, your reputation behind me. And I could promise anybody that has anything to do with OnRamp, you've backed the most diligent, hardworking, committed, selfless, appreciative group in the space. Um, and if we're nothing else, we're going to be extremely grateful and appreciative for the opportunity that we've been given to throw our hat in the ring. And man, are we coming. I don't know, Tom. This is pretty exciting. Uh, what, a first, what a great episode. What a, what a great first guest in Tyrone. Um, it, it was so crazy that the fire alarms went off. Tyrone, thank you so much. We appreciate you here uh, at Team Navaplan. But just joining our podcast, educating our audience on all things crypto and alternative investments. Make sure to follow Tyrone on Twitter. We'll put it on the screen. Make sure to follow OnRamp Invest. There's a huge State of the Union coming out. Apparently, Twitter is going to shut down. Make sure you follow Tom and myself. Thank you from the planning desk on being our first guest, Tyrone Ross. We appreciate you. Thank you, man. Go feel your doorknobs. See if it's <laughs> If you made it this far, please, nokidhungry.org. Please go feed a hungry child. We all have the responsibility to do that. Please. I appreciate you, gentlemen. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Take care. All right, man.